Hello, everybody. Bill Buckmaster with you, along with my buddy John, engineering and producing our program. Welcome to the Buckmaster Show for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Our radio show now in its 14th year, 36 years uh, in the Tucson media for the Buckmasters. Uh, we come to you from the Green Thing Zocalo Village Studio on 1030 KVOI The Voice, Tucson's only source for local news and talk. We have our worldwide live listening. You can listen to the program live on my website, buckmastershow.com. Also, that site is home to uh, now 13 full years of content. We've got uh, everything archived. Pretty much every show we have done, it's all really easy to use at buckmastershow.com. When we do our telephone interviews, our live line is presented by Rincon Ventures, real estate and property management. The following segment is presented by the Reed Park Zoo, founded in 1965 by the then City of Tucson Parks Director Gene Reed. As an exhibit of exotic birds, the zoo has become one of America's top zoos with over 300 animals from all over the world and welcoming some half million visitors visitors annually with us on the live line deborah carr deborah is the marketing and communications director for the reed park zoo hey deborah how are you i'm doing well bill how are you doing well thank you for asking i was real sad and i think the whole community was uh, about the little zebra who passed away how how's the mother zebra uh, holding up through all of this yeah, uh, we are still just heartbroken at the zoo, and we've just been so touched by the community outpouring. Um, the mother, Anna, is doing well. She was a little sad at first and missing her foal, but um, she's been receiving some extra special care from our animal care team and has also benefited from a female um, adult zebra that we brought in, uh, Zuri. Uh, she was brought in about six months ago, and they have um, have a lot of companionship going. So um, she's doing well, and, uh, you know, we've uh, – it's just one of those things that uh, zebra foals and zebra as a species really are just so easily startled. They have a very high mortality rate, and things like this occur in the wild as well as in human care. Um, and uh, just we're very um, – uh, unfortunately, we had a very unexpected and strong burst of wind that startled the mother, Anna, and uh, she began running with the baby right behind her. And then uh, instead of turning with the mother, the baby continued into a fence. So oh. uh, just a tragic accident. And, uh, you know, we've done, uh, we did a lot of baby proofing before the um, foal was uh, ever here and have had successful foals uh, born and grow to adulthood in the past and are actually contributing to their um, species as a breeding stock, but um, and we've uh, further inspected the habitat, but we're we're continuing to um, you know always seek ways we can improve habitats, even though they meet or exceed standards such as this one, and um, we're consulting uh, continually with a number of zoos and zebra experts and looking into some ways to making some improvements uh, with some fencing and the barn area to possibly uh, you know hope hopefully mm-hmm. prevent this from happening again. There is a new giraffe calf. How's the calf doing? Uh, that's Moyo. Uh, Moyo is about six weeks old uh, this week, and he is doing really well. 
Um, he's already grown to about seven feet tall. He's gained oh. a foot since birth, uh, gained about 100 pounds, and he's so curious, especially about the peacocks. I think he seems roaming around the zoo. Uh, he's nursing well. Um, and there again, the animal care team is really closely monitoring the giraffes during this introductory period. Um, and uh, weather permitting, uh, we're, we're um, keeping in, in when there's any uh, sort of rain or weather, um, just as an added precaution. But um, usually Moyo and his mom, Penny, who's a first-time mom, uh, can be seen in the early morning and early afternoon. And he'll begin spending a little bit more time on habitat as he becomes more comfortable and uh, grows up a little bit. So we've got a major birth perhaps coming up, right, in March for an elephant calf. And as I recall, elephant gestation period is, um, what is it, about a year and a half or something? It's about two years, actually. (laughs) Two years, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, uh, they have, they are, um, uh, yeah, quite lengthy in their gestation period, but uh, Samba, our matriarch of the elephant herd, uh, is uh, due uh, just about any time now. So uh, getting ready for that uh, birth is a huge task. Our elephants receive regular checkups from our vet staff, uh, but Samba's been receiving some extra special care. She's um, getting voluntary ultrasounds. Uh, twice a week by our uh, veterinary ta- uh, uh, staff to uh, continuing to monitor the fetal heartbeat. Uh, and she gets her blood checked twice a week. Uh, and we're also monitoring her weight and uh, at, we're pretty much on baby watch with uh, both our um, elephant team and also uh, skilled volunteers who are watching around the clock, both at the zoo and on uh, camera to uh, uh, monitor her every movement, and uh, uh, also there again, we're also baby-proofing that habitat um, you, as we always do. Deborah Carr with us from uh, the Reed Park Zoo. You're also kind of keeping an eye on one of your rhinos, correct? Yes, yes. Actually, if you're at the zoo, um, you may see uh, Ibanga, and she's our 50-year-old southern white rhino, wow. uh, sporting something that looks a little unusual. It's a fly mask. It's a custom fly mask. Um, and uh, Ibanga is among the oldest in her species mm. survival plan, and she's well beyond her median life expectancy of 30 uh, years. And uh, this custom see-through mask allows her to see her surroundings while also benefiting some, from some protective covering. So being generic, uh, her eye are more sensitive to flies, light, and dusk. Mm-hmm. Dusk, and um, this added layer provides some extra protection and keeps her a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I mean we're all we're all aging. So, uh, it's did you say that the rhino is fifty years old? She is fifty. She'll be fifty-one this year, and she's wow. doing really well. But um, yeah, we just uh, you know, as part of our animal wellness program, we we provide whole life care uh, from you know birth and beyond. And uh, this is just part of uh, our program to make sure that Ibanga is um, living her best life and has all of the support um, and protection she needs to be comfortable every day. Speaking of some older folks, you've got Senior Day coming up, right? We do. It's on March 8th, and we've done this for a number of years. So um, all of our guests ages 62 and greater uh, can receive $5 zoo admission that day. It's all day long at the gate. Just come in and show your ID. And we will also have some um, special activities from animal encounters to free bird-friendly coffee sampling um, to uh, a noontime performance by the Arizona Opera. Mm. 
Very nice. So you got Senior Day and, of course, Easter and a couple of other events, too, this spring. Very busy spring. We do. And uh, coming up for spring break, uh, to make it convenient on uh, those in the community, we uh, will have extended hours on March 8th through 17th uh, until 6 p.m. in the evening. So you can come and see Moyo and see Ibanga and her fly mask and um, mm-hmm. get outside and enjoy also the new world of play here at the zoo. Do you have an Easter event coming? We do. Uh, this is on March 30th and 31st, and it is a reservation um, event, so advanced uh, registration is required. And uh, kids can come and hunt for eggs all over the zoo and meet the Easter bunny. Uh, we have a lovely breakfast, and uh, uh, you can also see some of the animals getting Easter treats for the day. There's also a wine tasting event at the Reed Park Zoo, is that correct? That's coming up on April 6th. Uh, we have Wine Gone Wild, and this is, uh, we have um, vintners and uh, distillers from uh, all over the state that come, and they will um, have tastings of their signature wines and spirits, and we also have food tasting, uh, music, a spa pampering zone, uh, and uh, animal encounters throughout the zoo, and uh, it's a really lovely setting at the zoo in the early evening with the lovely wines and um, one of our more popular events. Pathway to Asia is a, is a, is a construction that uh, a date when that finally starts that you've been pointing to. I know, Deborah Carr, and that's right around the corner, correct? It is. Uh, we're expecting construction to start uh, on Pathway to Asia in the next few months. Uh, this will be the largest addition to the zoo since Expedition Tanzania in 2012, and it's going to add about 4.5 acres to the zoo. Now, if you're coming to the zoo, Asia is going to go in uh, the space where the current parking lot is. We have a new parking lot that just opened, but it's going to go over that hard space in the old parking lot, and it's going to bring new animals to the zoo, including red panda, Komodo dragon, and Malayan tigers. Uh, It's going to establish the zoo as a breeding and conservation center for this endangered big cat. Uh, We'll also have some sand cats and Egyptian fruit bats, um, some indoor-outdoor spaces, and... um, uh, really going to be transformational, transformational for the zoo when it um, it gets here. How long do you think that will take uh, that construction project, Deborah? It's going to be about two years, um, and of course, you know, special work goes into creating habitats that meet the needs of so many different types of animals. We have, you know, what. Uh, what one animal needs for water filtration might be different from another, and mm-hmm. we also have um, some animals that will require special heating and cooling for indoor-outdoor exhibits. Uh, we're also working with other zoos to uh, locate animals for the habitats. We receive all of our animals from other zoos, and, you know, you just, just don't go out and find a Malayan tiger every day. No, <laughs> so no. uh, there's a lot of careful planning that goes into when those animals come and, and their habitats, and uh, also involved, you know, we, we uh, this is an old space here at the zoo, and there's a lot involved with everything from locating underground utilities and working around that to space planning and uh, a lot of different uh, and wonderful uh, entities involved in bringing this uh, new addition to life for the zoo. Oh, we have a great zoo. I'm a member, and I encourage everybody to be members of the Reed Park Zoo. So let's uh, point our listeners in the right direction, Deborah Carr. Um, yes, if you want to um, receive, get all the information on the zoo, uh, you'll find it on our website at reedparkzoo.org. 
And uh, our memberships um, do provide a year of free admission, daytime admission to the zoo, and those uh, memberships start at $30 for seniors and go all the way up to uh, family and gold memberships and uh, always something new that you can can see it and do at the zoo, and it's, it's a great way to enjoy your zoo year-round. Thank you very much, Deborah Carr, Director of Marketing and Communication at the Reed Park Zoo. Thanks, Deborah. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day. You too. All right. Uh, Mona's Danish Bakery is home of the Danish Kringle, northeast corner of Swan and Sunrise. Mona's, oh, their website has, uh, well, very, it will tempt you. Let's face it. They've got all the items there, uh, beautiful pictures of pretty much everything on the menu. Mona's DanishBakery.com. They are now, uh, they do have the liquor license and they are, uh, you can have a beer uh, with your lunch. Or I guess you could do a beer with your breakfast, but uh, most people would would want the uh, mimosa, orange juice and champagne. That's certainly available at Mona's Danish Bakery. And again, northeast corner, Swan and Sunrise. Shelly Fishman's with me in studio. A wavering thumb that is kind of, well, let's just call it kind of neutral today on uh, the markets. But we've got other things to talk about for sure with Shell right after this. Family-owned Jam Culinary Concepts and its family of restaurants has you covered for your special event. Jam caters anytime, anywhere, any size group, and any type of cuisine. Vero Amore, authentic Neapolitan pizza, and Noble Hops. Craft beer and fine fare are synonymous with quality. Call 954-1468 or log on to jamculinaryconcepts.com. The Regional Transportation Authority's 20-year plan includes roadway, transit, pedestrian, bicycle, and many other transportation improvements across the region. Pima County voters approved the plan in 2006, and the RTA is finalizing a new 20-year plan for RTA board review and approval to seek public feedback on the draft plan. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. This is Bill Buckmaster urging my listeners to join me in becoming a member of the Reed Park Zoo, one of America's top zoos and home to more than 300 animals from all over the world. When you become a zoo member, you receive free daytime admission, discounts on special events and education programs, and so much more. Find out more about zoo membership and everything you need to know about your zoo visit. ReedParkZoo.org For more than a half century, Tucson Gardeners trust Green Things, a family-owned and operated retail and wholesale plant nursery, offering an amazing variety of plants, trees, cacti, pottery, and so much more, all at great prices. The 13-and-a-half-acre site by the Rieto River is also home to the Zocalo Village, specializing in fine Mexican and Latin American imported furniture and art. Green Things open daily at 3384 East River Road and at greenthingsaz.com and zocalovillage.com. Buckmaster Show listeners know that I'm passionate about travel. When I'm ready to take off on a new adventure, my air travel begins and ends at Tucson International Airport. TUS is nonstop for our community and Southern Arizona. 
So remember, to fly local, fly Tucson. Tucson International is nonstop for Tucson. More at flytucson.com. The Friends of Pima Animal Care Center is the nonprofit partner to our Pima County Animal Shelter. We grant critically needed resources to PACC so that it can continue the amazing life-saving progress it has made in recent years. Your generosity helps us find homes for abused, neglected, and abandoned animals at PAC. Learn how you can help at friendsofpacc.org. Shelly Fishman is a financial advisor and business consultant in Tucson, Arizona. Contact Shelly via buckmastershow.com or directly via email at saf824 at earthlink.net. And I'm fortunate because I can contact him just right across the table and say, here he is, <laughs> Shelly Fishman. Shell, how's your week going so far? Here we are Tuesday. Uh, you know, the, other than the fact that it's been grim weather, yeah. you know, cloudy yeah, and bit, wet. And very Seattle-ish. Yeah, uh, but I'm not complaining after yeah. all. It is winter in Tucson. That's right. That's right. Um, but the markets are being a little bit crazy. Um Largely because of the uncertainty created by the possibility or maybe even likelihood that there's going to be a government or partial government shutdown. Oh, here we go again. The markets hate that. This Congress is so dysfunctional. You know, we kind of go like, it seems like week to week talking about this possible government shutdown. Come on, folks. Well, it's exactly week to week. We've got one this Saturday, (laughs) then one, I think, a week after, because they did this staggered kind of uh, extensions uh, when when Mm. when this started in in January. It's 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 horrible. The uncertainty is very bad for the investment community. And that's that's, of course, what I'm mostly mostly worried about. Um, keeping in mind that the investment community has really taken a very optimistic position on the economy. And we have, you know, if, if, if we're not at the record highs for most of the indices, we're very, very near those record highs. And so, you know, we float above and below on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, with the Dow at essentially 39,000 and, and the uh, S&P, uh, at over 5,000, you know, if you're an investor, if you've got a 401k or an IRA or Roth and, you know, you you're doing have, pretty well for the first you're, two you're months doing, of the year, you're right? You're doing pretty well for the last couple of years. Last couple of years. You know, so many Americans still do not believe the 2020 election results. And, and now I saw that article in the New York Times that many Americans, maybe same, there's some of the same people probably are, who believe now the economy is rigged. Well, you know, pe- people who do not feel they're, they're sharing in the good news are understandably bitter about it. Uh, and the, the ways available to people to get out of the conundrum of you know, not being able to see their way past the next medical emergency or, or you know, doctor's visit. Um, it It's this constant sense of hopelessness, which then is reinforced when you have a period of some inflation like we had, even though that's really in check now. The, the prices of many items are not coming down. 
Um, you just have this constantly being beaten up by the the people who have a political motivation in beating people up. Um, but if I, I if I put that aside, Bill, and I think about the the clear disconnect between the macroeconomic story, in other words, what the economy is doing in a macro sense, and the micro-American experience. And I'm, I'm quoting from a, a, an essay uh, in the uh, New York Times on Sunday, many Americans believe the economy is rigged. Hmm. Now, I don't believe the economy is rigged. I think that the economy is what it is. And the the people who are in a position to benefit from it are, are doing very well. And the people who are not in a position to benefit have a really justifiable series of complaints about the fact that they're not sharing in all of this prosperity. And there are just so many reasons for it that, that you know, you can, you can say, well, there's corporate greed. And, you know, that's, that's keeping a lot of people down. Yeah, that's true. And greed is not good necessarily, just, you know, despite what the movies say. Um, but we also thought that we were getting some modification of those greedy impulses from our corporate executives as, as, you know, recently as a couple of years ago who decided to get away from, you know, the, the, the Greenspan uh, idea that the only responsibility uh, that a corporate executive has is to make money for shareholders. And most of them have come around to the idea that you have lots of stakeholders as a corporation. You have your customers, you have your suppliers, you have the community, um, that all of those interests have to be weighed in how you make decisions. Well, you know, that was, I thought, a very optimistic kind of forward way of thinking a couple of years ago. And I've seen darn little of it in actual practice over over the, the last couple of years. Um, now, you know, the, the, the environment, largely because of the pandemic, made it difficult for, uh, you know, corporate leaders to be, you know, quite that altruistic uh, as they were struggling to stay afloat. How, however, if, if you're not a corporate leader, if you're not in the C-suites, if, if you are, you know, just trying to struggle to stay in or get into the middle class, and you see on one, you know, on one hand, the economy is, by people like me, you know, touted as being as good or maybe better than it ever has been, but, but you don't they see say, your lives. My, they say, look at my life. I'm not, I'm not doing well. And exactly. So if something's going on, and, maybe and, it's rigged. And well, <clears throat> yeah. you know, in, in some ways, I don't think it's deliberately rigged. But there's certainly policies that need to change to to make the economy more inclusive of a broader segment of Americans. I mean, we have you know, a perfect example of this is kind of um, what's called cliff benefits. So if, for instance, you're on Medicaid mm-hmm. in most states, there's a maximum income you can have as a family. And if you go $1 above that income, you lose your benefits. Mm-hmm. So you fall off the cliff. And believe me, the cost of medical care 
uh, if you're uninsured, is more than one dollar. Uh, yeah, uh, more than than the benefits you've lost. The idea that we would design programs like that mm. strikes me as, mm. you know, is it rigged or just poorly designed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there are other things, things that we had when you and I were growing up that have evaporated. Um, things like you know free free uh, junior college education. Um, the 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 things that we took for granted and allowed our generation to be in some ways the most fortunate generation maybe in the history of the country mm-hmm. after World War II. Um, and, and uh, you know, we experienced all of the scientific benefits and, and the gains, the healthcare gains uh, in, in medicine, uh, th- this whole revolution in communications. And we were beneficiaries of that. Yeah. In the in the you know the uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, generation that that we belong to, subsequent generations, n- no matter how you categorize them, have had some of those things taken away. In addition, through a, a certain amount of I think bad policy decisions, we have taken income and driven it to the top ten percent of earners, such that you can say every penny of gross national product growth over the past 40 or 50 years has gone to the top earners. Now, other things have mitigated the impact uh, through, for instance, uh, overseas manufacturing and and the, the price advantages that have come from that. But there's a flip side to that because those jobs are now offshored. So we really need to take a nonpartisan view of how to fix these problems. And nonpartisanship, Bill, is just not anything that we have an appetite for right now. Nope. As a result, you know, maybe 30, 40 percent of the population feels that they are being left out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those perceptions are reality for those people. And, and uh, uh, we, we need somehow to fix that problem. Yes, indeed. All right, Shelley Fishman, uh, always a pleasure. Shelley, uh, we'll look for your report next Tuesday. Look forward to it, Bill. Have a great Thank week. Thank you very much. All right, Shelley Fishman with us. We've got uh, three-star general Jeff Buchanan coming up right after the break. Take out authentic Neapolitan wood-fired pizza at Vero Amore, where every flavorful pizza, pasta, and panini are homemade. Using the finest local and imported ingredients, Vero Amore, Plaza Palomino at Swan and Fort Lowell, and on Dove Mountain in Marana, plus a full catering menu and mobile pizza truck for parties and events. Vero Amore, on the web at veroamorepizza.com. 
Cushman and Wakefield PICOR is Tucson's leading independently owned full-service commercial real estate company. Founded in 1985, Cushman and Wakefield PICOR offers leasing, sales, and property management for industrial office, medical, retail, land, and investment properties in Tucson and Sonora, Mexico. Visit our website at PICOR.com for the latest news from Tucson's commercial real estate sector. That's PICOR.com. Call us at 748-7100. Are you happy with the news you get? While not all news is good news, you know good reporting when you see it. Check TucsonSentinel.com every day for breaking news and investigative reports. Have your say in the comments. It's all in TucsonSentinel.com, your local, independent, nonprofit news. You can rely on TucsonSentinel.com for solid reporting about immigration, Tucson and penal politics, everything from the border to baseball. It's independent news without the spin. TucsonSentinel.com. We are watching Tucson. Hi, this is Irene Coppola, President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona. The BBB sets the standards for marketplace trust by engaging with and educating consumers and businesses. The BBB is the resource to turn to for the objective, unbiased information on businesses offering national and local consumer services online and in person. Learn more about the many services offered by the Better Business Bureau at bbb.org. Family owned and run since 1985, Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing is the gold standard for quality and professionalism for picture framing, custom frame mirrors, art for your walls, and hanging and lighting solutions. Come in for your design session or set it up electronically. Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell and Dodge, and now doing e-commerce at moesgallery.com. The nonprofit Tucson Wildlife Center has been helping injured, sick, and orphan wildlife in southern Arizona since 1999. They're dedicated to the rescue, medical care, and rehabilitation of sick, injured, and orphan wildlife with the goal of releasing them back to their natural habitat. Around 5,000 animals a year come to them as they are the only wildlife rescue in southern Arizona. All made possible through donations. They receive no government funding. Please donate at TucsonWildlife.com. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show, the Tuesday edition. This portion presented by our friends over at Green Things. Green Things and their sister business, Zocalo Village. Green Things, everything you need for your garden. And uh, the weather is actually perfect to do some gardening and uh, get some color into the garden. Check out Green Things. Their website's greenthingsaz.com. And again, their sister business, Zocalo Village. It's zocalovillage.com. Green Things conveniently located uh, over on River Road. And uh, they are open daily. And they're in there, I think it's 53 years of business. And what one of the wonderful things about Green Things, such a knowledgeable staff that they have, they'll point you and not just point you in the right direction, they'll take you in the right direction to get the plants you need for your garden. Our live line for our telephone interviews presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. Uh, we're trying to bring him in now uh, once a month, uh, Lieutenant General Jeffrey Buchanan, three-star uh, retired general, uh, General Buchanan retired 
spent almost 40 years in the Army. He retired in 2019 and uh, has been really busy since then. Uh, But during his Army career, he commanded 6,000 troops on the southwest border. He led the military operation in Puerto Rico, the cleanup there. After Hurricane Maria, he did uh, four tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. And each tour is, what, uh, 10 months, General? Uh, Roughly a year. A year. Uh, My longest was a year and a half. Wow. Um, A graduate of the University of Arizona, he is like homegrown guy, Uh, went through the ROTC program. Uh, General Buchanan advises Homeland Security. He's a commissioner, one of five commissioners on the Arizona Game and Fish Commission. He's an advisor for Vet Voice Foundation. Uh, trying to give our veterans a voice, and they certainly deserve it. Uh, A volunteer deputy sheriff in Santa Cruz County, where he resides with his wife on a small ranch outside Patagonia, which, of course, is, I don't know, 10, 15 miles from the Mexican border. General, how are you? I'm I'm wonderful, Bill. It's always good to see you. Um, and I think I'm going to begin with your uh, with what's going on with Game and Fish. Uh, I was surprised we have bald eagle nesting sure do. in yeah, Arizona. We... I, when I think of the bald eagles, I think of them up in uh, Washington State, up in British Columbia, up in Alaska. But we have them as this this far south. Oh, sure do. And uh, you know, actually, quite a success story in in our state. Uh, since you know, since the banning of DDT, uh, as well, specifically focused on eagles, you know they nest in and around water, and mm-hmm. uh, most people probably know that unlike golden eagles, which prey on land animals, bald eagles' primary prey is fish, and so you're always going to find the nests around water. And our game and fish department's been very active protecting nesting sites. And uh, based on that, they've expanded every year over the past 20 or 30 years. So you could find a lot of nests in the Salt River chain and northern Arizona lakes and, the, and then around the lakes of the White Mountains. So they're, we have fi- a, they're fisher, we, fishermen or fisherwomen <laughs> eagles. Yeah. They sure are. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but the golden eagle doesn't do this part of the country the, well no actually oh, no. we have them here in oh. fact i saw one a couple of weeks ago down in uh, san rafael valley uh, wow. we have golden eagles but but they're different in that they eat you know primarily rodents rodents uh rabbits these kinds of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. land mammals yeah so uh, i guess the i've seen some of those uh, you know, twenty four seven video uh, feeds of some of the go- of the of the bald eagles, and it's kind of neat because it's the mama and dad really sharing responsibility. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I uh, I hadn't lived around them until at, at one one of, when I was in Afghanistan. My wife lived on a small place right on the Potomac River, river in uh, Fort Belvoir, Virginia, and we had. Gold eagle or bald eagle nests and osprey nests really all around our house. And so it was really fascinating to watch some of that behavior. But the amount of fish they consume and, and uh, is pretty pretty astonishing. A neat thing to see if, if you've never seen it is some of their mating rituals and how mm-hmm. they 
they kind of dance in the sky. It's really mm-hmm. cool stuff to watch. Uh, also, this is National Invasive Species Awareness Week, and we have some uh, some invasive species, don't we, that are really causing problems. We we sure do. The biggest biggest problem probably are things that you wouldn't think about snails and and mussels and things like this, but. That's why we we ask people who are especially moving boats from one body of water to the next, make sure they get it clean so that we don't spread these things that can be completely destructive to our waterways. Hmm. How about toads? Uh, we do we do have some invasive toads. The biggest problem on the amphibious side is actually bullfrogs. I think you know hmm. we have bullfrogs are not native to this area. Um, they're voracious predators uh you wouldn't think of them that way but i've got a lot gotten a lot of frogs over the years and mm-hmm. i always open up the stomach to see what's inside i've found snakes what? birds turtles <laughs> oh my uh God. bat one time i found a bat other frogs a bat? mammals mice in the These stomach, are all of, in a the stomach of a bullfrog that's right Whoa. And uh, they are, like I said, voracious predators. They're, the good news is they're wonderful to eat. But um, <laughs> in our case, they uh, they one of their one of the problems, especially in southeastern Arizona, we have an endangered species of frog called a, a Chiricahua leopard's frog, leopard frog. And if there's bullfrogs in the water. They'll eat all those frogs and push them out. So Will we're trying really? to keep we're trying to keep bullfrogs out of our waters. Yeah, and we really do want to keep um, kind of the little turtles that people uh, turn loose after they've you know maybe bought them at a pet store. I know they had a big problem at um, uh, one of the parks here in town, Fort Lowell Park. Hmm. Uh, they had to actually clean that whole pond out over at Fort Lowell. I know that's not under the purview of the Arizona Game and Fish, but people would like dump the, you know, they'd buy a little uh, frog or a little uh, turtle at a pet store and then they get tired of it and they dump them in the in the pond. Well, that's why there's such a problem with with pythons and and boas and everything down in the Florida Everglades right yeah. now. People. Yeah. Um, do you have another meeting coming up that the public is invited to? I, I sure do. So on the 15th of March is our next Game and Fish meeting, commission meeting. And for the people in Pima County, it's it's actually close by this time. It's going to be in Oro Valley. Uh, I don't have the exact address, but you can find it on the Game and Fish website. starts at 8 o'clock in the morning and and goes the bulk of the day. Uh, it it could be interesting to attend. And most importantly, if you want to make a public comment about anything to do with wildlife or wildlife management in our state, you fill out a blue slip, you attend the meeting in person, and you have an opportunity to speak uh, for three minutes. Hmm. And so it's an opportunity, you know, if you care about something that's happening, and uh, it could even be loosely related to to wildlife. I mean, I've read a lot recently about the issues uh, with respect to water in the Santa Rita Mountains, these kinds of things. Those have obviously a big impact on uh, on wildlife. If you have an opinion, you know, come and come and speak your mind. It's our job to listen to. Yeah, there was a, uh, a meeting about uh, Copper World 
Right. And um, I think it was a week or so ago, and uh, a lot of folks voicing opposition to Copper World, worrying uh, one of the big concerns was about the water. Yeah. And we have, a, you know, we have another, there's a mine project going into the Patagonia Mountains as well, and there's a lot of issues about that specifically that focused South 32 project? South 32 yeah. right specifically focused on water uh-huh uh before we uh end our segment about uh fish and game and I want to talk about uh military affairs in your second segment with us but uh the the study that's going on about quail are these the kind of quail we're seeing in our backyards here in southern Arizona, or are they a different Actually, species? Actually, in, in, so we're spending a lot of energy this year looking at Mern's quail. It's actually, uh, if you look in some of your bird books, you'll see that it's called Montezuma quail. It used to be called Harlequin quail, but the mm-hmm. actual title is now agreed upon as Mern's quail. Um they're, most of what you see in Tucson are gambles quail. Yes. And that's a, referred to as one that, of a couple of the species. The males have right, that neat little, little top, top knot. knot. Right, 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 yeah. These are higher elevation. Think of them in uh, oak, juniper, woodlands, in the grasslands down around Patagonia and Sonoida, mm-hmm. all the way over to the Chiricahua Mountains on mm-hmm. the east. And um, in any case, they're they're affected by more than anything by lack of summer rains, whereas gambles quail are affected more by winter rains. Huh. And so if we have a good winter rain season, you're likely to see a lot of gambles quail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we have a good monsoon, you're likely to see Mern's quail. And because we have not had last year a good monsoon season, the population down there is, is really taking a hit. Now with the quail, the gambles quail... Uh, I'm always amazed uh, at how many eggs you will see. Uh, I mean, those seeing those little little things like you know, day hour old, <laughs> they're born immediately and they're on the move. And I'd like there's like a dozen, maybe fifteen. You got to wonder how many of those are going to survive. Well, yeah. do you have any <laughs> usually, idea percentage well, it's wise? Usually and, not very high. Yeah, that's one of the reasons <laughs> they have so many eggs and. <laughs> You know, if a Gila monster finds a nest, they might be all gone while they're still in eggs. But uh. um, it, it is pretty fascinating watching quail behavior and the role of the male, you know, to kind of be the guardian. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a neat structure, family structure. And you will. mentioned uh, the Gila monster. I think we had the first death uh, from a yeah, Gila I, monster bite here in in decades. Right. I Very read about unusual. that. And, it, and of course. That was somebody who's illegally keeping them. It's illegal to oh. own a Gila monster in our state. And so just, you know, I, I guess my one last comment would be, please be careful with wildlife. Wildlife are wonderful. Watch them, photograph them, but don't feed them. Hmm. You know, I mean, there's exceptions of like with birds in the backyard. But, you know, we had a we had a woman killed by an elk this year up in northwestern yes, Arizona. from in the feeding, Prescott area, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah, northwest oh. of Prescott. Uh-huh. Feeding elk, and mm. you know, uh, it, it's just it's not worth the risk. We don't want to habituate wildlife to human behavior because that actually can cause problems. And the javelinas, same thing. Javelina, you know, the javelina. We don't wanna... You feed the birds, and the javelina will do the seed. Right, <laughs> they go. And that's for the why seed. you be careful with putting blocks on the ground. The because the javelina will get after it, and that's why think about think about how to keep javelina from getting your bird food.
Yeah. All right. Uh, General Buchanan, we'll be back with you and take a break right here. Then I've got a couple of uh, international stories I want to share and get your thoughts on. Be right back on the Buckmaster Show. Noble Hops is Tucson's original gastropub, serving an ever-changing menu of craft beer and fine fare. Savor the majestic mountain views from the perfect for any season spacious patio at West Lambert Lane in North La Cañada Drive in Oro Valley. Order in or take out at Noble Hops, a pub for foodies. On the web at noblehops.com. International Airport, we are nonstop for our community. Our main priorities are providing a safe and secure travel experience and excellent customer service. We're also nonstop for landing prosperity in Southern Arizona by attracting new flights for business travel and family getaways. When your airport thrives, our community thrives. So fly local, fly TUS. Tucson International Airport is nonstop for Tucson. Nestled in the foothills of the Santa Rita Mountains of southeastern Arizona is Equine Voices and Sanctuary. Home to horses and burros that were rescued from neglect, abuse abandonment, and slaughter. Please consider Equine Voices Rescue and Sanctuary with a financial gift of support and estate remembrance. Learn more about our vision and values at equinevoices.org. Whether you've considered an all-inclusive luxury cruise, an expedition adventure, or a relaxing river cruise, come to Bon Voyage Travel's annual showcase on March 3rd at the Hilton El Conquistador. Presentations will be offered throughout the day to provide you a chance to hear more about these travel brands and their exciting offers. Bill Buckmaster and I will be teaming up to present the travel trends of 2024. Visit bvtravel.com for more information on Bon Voyage Travel's free showcase on March 3rd. The Regional Transportation Authority plan is funded by a voter-approved half-cent sales tax. The RTA is the largest annual funder of regional transportation improvements in the region, averaging more than $100 million in tax revenue each year. The RTA is preparing a new 20-year plan for public review prior to a May 2025 election. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun cover two of Arizona's most desirable communities. The newspapers reach more than 75% of the communities each week, with a combined population of more than 50,000. The Green Valley News also publishes a dozen magazines each year, and both newspapers publish up-to-the-minute local news online at gvnews.com. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun, it's all right here. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show. I want to send as many of our listeners as possible over to Silver City in Grant County, New Mexico. That is a beautiful area of the Southwest. Uh, it's right there by the Gila National Wilderness. It's only about a three-hour drive from Tucson. Uh, it is the land of enchantment. It is the South west portion of new mexico uh, i love the elevation there it's about same as denver silver city is about 5500 feet then you just go north a little bit up to the uh gila 
excuse me, to the Cliff Dwellings National Monument, and you get up to about 7,000 feet. And so spring in that area, so beautiful. And uh, the clear, clear days and chilly nights, just beautiful area. Southwestnewmexico.org is the website. There you'll find all sorts of stuff about things to do. No shortage of outdoor activities and uh, great places to stay as well. Speaking of outdoor activities, we've been spending uh, our first segment of our two segments with uh, retired three-star General Jeffrey Buchanan, who is one of five Arizona Game and Fish Commissioners. Uh, what an incredible career he's had, and still this man is so still so active uh, after nearly 40 years in the Army, and he's got a lot of interesting takes on, on military service. After all, four tours in Iraq, and a tour can be about a year, and uh, one in Afghanistan. And, uh, General, I saw this movie, which I really recommend. Uh, the director is Guy Ritchie, and the movie is called The Covenant. And it's about uh, a U.S. Army sergeant whose life is saved by one of the interpreters uh, in Afghanistan. This particular interpreter interpreter, uh, basically almost carrying the sergeant on his back uh, after he's wounded for like a hundred, as they say, clicks, a hundred kilometers. That'd be about 60 miles. It's just an incredible story. And then how uh, this sergeant goes back to Afghanistan on his own to get this interpreter out. You had some interesting stories with with interpreters, didn't you? Sure. Um and I've, I've had some that weren't great, but most of them were exceptional people in, in both Iraq and Afghanistan and very dedicated. And, of course, like any comradeship with, that you might develop it, when it's in combat, it's magnified. And so there's a tremendous sound of loyal, uh, sense of loyalty. Um, I, was, I was mentioning off air that I did have one interpreter who uh, brought his wife and five kids and eventually became a uh, U.S. citizen. This was out of Iraq, uh, and he started out as a, uh, as a, as a linguist yeah. because he's a fluent French, English, and Arabic speaker, mm-hmm. and eventually got a top-secret clearance, and he's now an interrogator. Really? Still in the Army and doing phena- phenomenal work. So yeah, it's a success story. A great American success story. Well, the movie got me thinking and I was thinking about you actually and and your time in Afghanistan and I was thinking what if we had kept uh, the main uh, operation at Bagram Air Force Base yeah, right Bagram Bagram I mispronounced yeah. it sorry about that but that was kind of the the hub uh, as you know of the operation what if we had kept that would that have kept the Taliban from well, from regaining power <laughs> How much time do we have? There? I know. Um, just a couple minutes. So okay, give me your I'll try summary. to I'll summarize try to, it for me. I'll try to cut it. We never have enough time with you. For, first yeah. of all, on the uh I I'm I'm not gonna second guess the, the decision. decision of two different presidential administrations to to the leave Afghanistan. Okay. Um you know, and it's their job to make those decisions, mm-hmm. and it's our job in the military to execute. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people uh, lose sight of what we went there for in the first place. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we we went there to keep 
terrorists from affecting the Western Western Europe and the United States. And we did a pretty good job of that for it 20 was years. Of, out of the outgrowth of 9-11. Right. And mm. that's why we went. People forget about that mission. Right. But, but <laughs> yeah. what happened along the way, of course, is then we start the missions. You get what we call mission creep. It starts expanding. Nation building. We want to do nation building. And, you know, and we got somewhere along the way, we got this idea that we could turn Afghanistan into Iowa. Well, it's never going to be Iowa. It is. It just... It's not. It's for all the sorts of different reasons. became a lot reasons. like Vietnam trying right. to, to do so, that kind of. So if, if, you know, if you ask me, mm-hmm. you know, could we do any good if we still had a footprint, footprint. In, um, in Afghanistan? A single footprint is actually dangerous because you can't see what's coming. You, you know, you need to have enough. If you're going to be there, you need to have enough of a presence so that you can you can have an intelligence network. Otherwise, the base is just right. going to be one big target on its, it's back. Exactly right. right. So, Constantly. so we would, you know, one of our big concerns, of course, were people and equipment moving from across the border with Pakistan. Well, if you don't have a presence on that border and an ability to collect information, you're you're just going to be a sitting duck. So. Bagram itself, if we were there, no, I think that'd be a very dangerous situation, and we wouldn't have stopped the Taliban from doing anything. But if you if you really are going to be there, we need to be there with enough strength to have enough presence to understand what's going on, so that we can deal with these threats. And you know, and yeah, I mean, deal with them on the on the lethal sense using counterterrorism operations. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, that was not the decision. The decision was to leave. I. Uh, I I feel a lot of a lot of sorrow for what has happened in Afghanistan since the Taliban took over, but but I'm not surprised by any of it. They were never going to change. That's who they are, and you know they're they treat women terribly. They don't Horrible. care about education. Horrible, and it, it's a shame. But but again, that was not our job going in. Our job going in was to to keep the terrorists from influencing us and that's what we did all right i've only got just a few seconds so uh can ukraine survive if they don't get any american support (laughs) bill you always ask me these i know i know uh you get 10 seconds 2015 i think russia is never going to dominate the ukrainian people ever but uh if they don't have good material support with both money and weapons they're going to be at a much higher risk of a lot of Ukrainians getting killed and Russia occupying more territory. The Ukrainian people are never going to give up and Russia is never going to own it. But it can there can be a lot of a lot of people unnecessarily killed. Okay. If they don't get the support. General Buchanan, always a pleasure and we'll book your next visit with us shortly. Thank you so much, sir. All the best to you. Thanks, Bill. All right, that's going to do it for the Buckmaster Show. On behalf of the General and John, who is our General on the other side of the glass, he is our commanding officer here. With He's got his finger right there on the pulse of my radio show. Hope everybody stays well. Be good.